Well, um, hi everybody. For those of you who don't know me, as um, Kerry just said, I'm Bron, and uh, my husband and I um, have the immense privilege of overseeing the Chapel Collective Churches. And I'm not good with technology. That's the other thing that you need to know about me. Uh, and how about we just preach with no notes today? No, let's definitely not do that. Okay. Um, uh, my husband always preaches with an iPad. I always preach with paper and I just figured out why. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm really excited. I've, I don't think I've been here for a year in a morning service. Would that be all right? Yeah, we're just um, with um, stuff in Tamworth. I'm so excited for newlyweds and I'm so excited to see things that are happening and news and uh, places, things around the place. But I'm really, really pumped to be here um, and to be here for Overflow tonight. So like um, Pastor Kerry said, we've got a series called At The Movies. And it's just, you know, something that we do in Term 4 in all our churches. It's a bit you're running to the end of the year, starting to get a bit tired. It's just a bit of fun. We don't preach from the movie. We preach from the Bible. Um, but like Kerry said, we use some examples from the movie. And usually it's lots of fun unless the preacher chooses really, really intense movies, which I have done for you this morning. And um, probably two of the most intense movies I've ever watched is what I'll be bringing to you this morning. Uh, I just want to give a disclaimer. The movies, like I said, are intense. Um if you might want to take children out, um, there's some scenes. I've tried to black out everything that's really bad. But if you've got, you know, it's particularly about war and stuff like that. So if you need to, if you need to go to the toilet, if you need to be out of here for that period of time or close your eyes or whatever, feel free to. So let's watch this first clip that we have. All right. <laughs> An amazing fade out. Um, all right. So on April 1st, 1942, Desmond Doss joined the United States Army. And little did he realise that three and a half years later, he'd be standing on the White House lawn, receiving the nation's highest award for his bravery and courage under fire. Um, of the 16 million men in uniform during World War II, only 431 received the Congressional Medal of Honour. One of these was placed around the neck of a young Seventh-day Adventist um, who, during combat, had not killed a single enemy soldier. In fact, he refused to carry a gun. His only weapons were his Bible and his faith in God. President Harry S. Truman warmly shook the hand of Corporal Desmond Thomas Doss and then held it the entire time his citation was read aloud to those gathered outside the White House on October 12, 1945. I'm proud of you, Truman said. You really deserve this. I consider this a greater honour than being president. The journey that had brought young Desmond to this day had been a challenging one. When Pearl Harbour was attacked, he was working at the Newport News Naval Shipyard and could have requested a deferment, but wanted to do more for his country. He was willing to risk his line on the front lines in order to preserve freedom. When he joined the army, Desmond assumed that his classification as a conscientious objector would not require him to carry a weapon. He wanted to be an army combat medic. As luck would have it, he was assigned to an infantry rifle company. His refusal to carry a gun caused a lot of trouble among his fellow soldiers. They viewed him with disdain and called him a misfit. One man in the barracks warned him, Doss, as soon as we get into combat, I'm, I'll make sure you don't come back alive. Desmond had been raised with a fervent belief in the Bible. When it came to the Ten Commandments, he applied them personally. During childhood, his father had purchased a large framed picture at an auction. It portrayed the Ten Commandments with colourful illustrations. Next to the words, Thou shalt not kill, was a drawing of Cain holding a club and standing over the body of his dead brother Abel. Little Desmond would look at that picture and ask, why did Cain kill Abel? How in the world could a brother do such a thing? Uh, and, and on and on his bio goes. Um, but he, it says that he lived out the golden rule, do to others what you would have them do to you. Several times while treating a wounded soldier, Desmond was so close to enemy lines he could hear the whispering of Japanese voices. 
Um, it says that less than one third of the men made it back down Hacksaw Ridge. The rest lay wounded and scattered across enemy soil, abandoned and left for dead if they weren't dead already. One lone soldier, Desmond Dossett, disobeyed orders, charged back into the firefight to rescue as many of his men as he could before he either collapsed or died trying. His iron determination and unflagging courage resulted in at least 75 lives saved that day. So this uh, crazy little skinny guy um, with no uh, appearance of strength or courage um, proved himself as a courageous uh, man who had the courage of his convictions. More than even having courage, he had courage in his convictions. Now, I'm not here to talk about the war or whether or not God approves or doesn't approve. We can have that discussion another time. But, um, but Desmond Doss had courage in his convictions. And what I want to tell you today is that it is so, much, so vitally important for us to have the courage of convictions. We live in a world that uh, is increasingly um, getting, the, the culture of voice is getting louder and louder, isn't it? The, the loudest voice is the voice of culture. But God doesn't call us as his people, if you've decided to follow him this morning, he doesn't call us to confirm culture or to consult culture or to conform to culture. He calls, he calls us to bring kingdom culture wherever we go. Now, kingdom's a, a, a funny word. We don't tend to talk in terms of kingdom very much these days. Uh, you might have watched the Viking show, The Last Kingdom. Um, you might be a fan of history and think about kingdoms a lot. But for the most part, kingdom's not a very Aussie word. But it's the most... It's the thing that Jesus talked about the most, the kingdom of heaven. He constantly referred to the kingdom of heaven. And we are called to be so countercultural that we bring kingdom culture wherever we go. Now, kingdom culture, sometimes we'll recognise it in places that we least expect it. Sometimes... Okay, you're still going to love me after this. Please, Lord, let me love you after Sometimes non-Christians have a stronger kingdom culture than Christians do. Uh, let me, it, obviously, you know, not real Christians, but people who profess religion or to be religious, they sometimes non-Christians will have a stronger kingdom culture. You know, um, I was raised um, a tongues-talking Christian. I, I love the gift of the Holy Spirit of speaking in tongues. My mum would say, okay, we're going to speak in tongues from now to the Lelevers mailbox, which was 5Ks away, and I was three at the time. And my um, brother and sister, it was just, it was just what you did. And, uh, and so if that's completely unfamiliar to you, don't worry about it. We can talk about that later too. Um, but, but you know what? Um, my cousins, none of my cousins spoke in tongues who were all raised in a different tradition. Holy Spirit-filled, amazing Christian people who didn't speak in tongues. And if I had have had some kind of superiority complex about that, I would have thought, well, you know, I'm better than them because I speak in tongues. But the people that I knew that spoke in tongues gossiped a whole lot more than my cousins who didn't speak in tongues. So yes, they could do some pretty tremendous things with their tongue, but they could also do some pretty harmful things as well. And Jesus says, that's not supposed to be the case. We're supposed to be bringers of kingdom culture wherever we go. But this kingdom that he talks about and kingdom culture is very often upside down. So let me read to you from Matthew chapter 5. When Jesus is giving um, a discourse on a mountain or on a hill and speaking to lots of people and a bunch of what he says is completely upside down. This is the first one um, <clears throat> that we're going to read about today. Matthew 5.11, it says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you are my followers. 
Now, it doesn't say God blesses you when people say awful things about you because you're a jerk. <laughs> it says, because you are my followers. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're living life and you're following him to the best of your ability and people are mocking you and scoffing at you and they're saying all sorts of evil things about you and you can expect that, Jesus says later. Yay. <laughs> Woo. Um, he's, it says, God blesses you. How upside down is that? Is anyone going... Bring it on, Lord, please. I'd love to be blessed by you in this way. We're not. It says in verse 12, be happy about it. All right. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So Jesus is saying messengers of God have always been rejected. And he, it says later in the Bible, beware when all men speak well of you. Isn't that upside down culture? That's completely upside down to the culture that we live in today. But kingdom culture says it's okay if people speak badly of you. Just make sure that it's because you're a follower of Jesus Christ, not because you're really annoying. That would be helpful. Later on in verse 17, um, Jesus says, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. Because we could say, well, Desmond Doss, he was believing the Ten Commandments. You know, he was very workspace, Seventh-day Adventist, whatever. We can make all these judgments and assertions. But Jesus says, don't think I've come to abolish it. No, I came to accomplish the purpose of the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment, and teach others to do the same, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God laws, God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, let me just pause there for a moment because maybe you've read some of the 613 laws in the Old Testament and, and, uh, and you're like, well, I know what one of them says. It says, don't get tattoos. And I saw Pastor Kerry Logan showing off her tattoo, praising Jesus this morning. And so um, what's going on there? Well, the law actually consists of different types of laws. There's the civil law, there's the moral law. And, and so, you know, this cloth, I'm sure, is woven together of separate kinds of cloth today. So I'm a sinner standing before you right now. But the thing is, it's talking about the moral law that God gave in, in um, the Torah. And, and, and Jesus says, I've come to fulfill it. Now, here's another upside down thing in verse 20. It says, I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That is wild. That is wild. I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to leave us in that tension for a second. Does anyone here feel just super righteous this morning? They're like, I know some teachers of the law. Yes, I do feel better and my righteousness is better than them. Anyone this morning? No, okay. Okay, so let's just stay in that tension for a moment. Actually, Let's up the tension for a moment. Verse 21, it says, You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. That's in the law. But I say, this is Jesus talking, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Did anyone get angry in traffic at all this week? Anyone get angry at a sibling this week? Okay. If you call someone an idiot... You are in danger of being brought before the court, and if you can, if you curse someone, you are in. If you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. 
Verse 27, you have heard that the commandment says you must not commit adultery. Verse 28, but I say, anyone who ever looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. I don't know how your bad eye causes you to lust. because You wouldn't really be able to see out of it. So anyway, if it's a good eye, throw it out. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. I want you just to think for a moment of what we would all look like coming in with stumps and one eye. It would not be a pretty picture. That, who else is terrified by that? I, I'm like, what? I, don't, I, I can't, I can't. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus didn't come. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. So what is going on here? When it says here that unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the law, the teachers of the law had a works-based righteousness. They were a tick-the-box, I'm doing the right thing kind of righteousness. And Jesus was about heart transformation. So when he's talking about this passage, he's saying, I want the change and transformation that happens in you to be so far beyond what you do. I want it to be a change of heart. And what he's talking about here, he's dealing with anger, massive problem in our world today. He's talking about contempt, Massive problem in our world today. You've only got to go on social media for a second to find out the contempt that people have for each other. You've only got to be in a schoolyard for a moment to see the contempt and the bullying that goes on there. And he's talking about lust as well. He's saying, I want to change you so much. I want to bring the kingdom of heaven reality into you that you're so transformed from the inside out that those things aren't even a problem anymore. Oh my goodness, can you imagine the freedom of your life? Who, who struggles with anger? Let's just confess our worst sin to each other right now. Just like, no, no one wants to do that. Who struggle, we struggle with anger. We struggle with lust. We struggle with contempt. We struggle with, you know, calling a, a type of people a certain thing. We struggle in our minds with all sorts of things. And, 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 God, and Jesus is saying, there's a better kind of righteousness that can be accessed. There's a better kind of righteousness. And it's upside down. It's as upside down as running into war without a gun. I remember my old pastor, I grew up in a very a Pentecostal, like I said, um, tradition, but very legalistic. And we never talked about grace, never talked about it. And I began to hear about grace and something leapt in my spirit. Grace, this idea that, that, that God actually just gave me his favour without me working for it at all. As I put my trust in Jesus, that God looked at me through Jesus, saw his righteousness and applied that to me. I was like, What? But, but what about all the things I have to do? Our church was really big on behaviour modification, but not so much about heart transformation. And I remember I, I went to a pastor in our church once and I said, can you talk to me about grace? And they said, oh, it's harder under grace. It's harder. Because, you know, before grace, if you killed someone, that was bad. But now if you get angry at someone, that's really bad. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to survive this. <laughs> but, but when the kingdom of heaven is meant to be such a reality in our lives that it transforms the way we live. You see, I believe that perhaps we're missing something, that we give our lives to Jesus and we love him and we're so grateful. And then we concentrate on behavior modification and doing the right things. I don't think that's compelling to the world around us. 
I believe that actually as the kingdom of heaven takes up residence in our life and changes the way we view life and see things and see each other, that that is so beautiful and attractive to the world around us. So how do we do that? How does that look? Let me just, um, I've got so much scripture today. All right. Um, Okay. Matthew 5, we're going to keep going. Actually, we're going to go back to the premise of what we just read. And it says here in Matthew 5, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, if you are from a legalistic workspace background, you would be used to this telling you that it's better if you're poor. Believe that for the longest time in my life. Now, I definitely believe it's not cool to waste money and that money that I have is a stewardship and it all belongs to God and that um, I want to do what he says with my money. But, but why would God favour me for being poor? It's a poor in spirit. It's saying that they realise their need for him because you can't have the kingdom of heaven unless you realise that you are bereft without him, that you have nothing without him. And so it's God blesses those who are poor and realise their need for him, for their kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they, though, mm, I'm sorry, too small. No, that's not how you zoom in. Excuse me, everybody. <laughs> God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. As you look at that list, is that not the very antithesis of what is celebrated in our world today? The humble in heart are not celebrated. The brash and boisterous are the ones who are celebrated. The, the ones who um, hunger and thirst for justice, they're barely on the radar. We don't hear their stories. This is the opposite. And God's saying this upside down kingdom it actually starts with your heart. It starts with a realisation that you need God. And then it starts with uh, outworking in your heart. Kingdom culture is inside out. So how does that look? If kingdom culture is inside out, how does that look? You see, I look at Desmond Doss. He was not like going into battle as some kind of whacked out workspace. Well, God will be pleased with me if I do this. I'm sure he thought, I want to please God. But it was a conviction that rose out of his heart. He was so entrenched in the kingdom and what it looked like to be in the kingdom for him that every decision that he made flowed out of that. So how do we foster the kingdom in our heart? Matthew chapter 6, verse twenty. Something, maybe even 33. 33, yes, small writing. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So there's this action word, seek the kingdom of God. It's not receive the kingdom by osmosis. Sit next to Pastor Kerry in church and then you'll receive the kingdom of God. No, it is this, you, you have an action. And again, this is the tension between works and what does that look like? It is an orientation of your life around the kingdom. It is a, this is consuming my life. It's not, once I've finished this Netflix series, then I'll seek the kingdom of God. This is, Lord, what does it look like to seek you? Let's 
amp it. Let's take it up a level. Matthew 11, and it says in verse 12, from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Another version says, and the violent take it by force. I'm not trying to stir up a movement right now, some kind of, you know, what kind of movement. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is something that is, is like it's, there's force attached to it. There's a, like a, a longing in our heart. The Bible says hunger and thirst for His righteousness. We need to stir that up in us, this hunger and this thirst. This is part of why I love going to overflow. Um, when I'm, I don't very often lead overflow, sometimes I just come and lie down in the corner. Like you're like, oh, you're one of those weird people. <laughs> yes, just like, like I'm just exhausted. I'm just like, I just want to be in the presence of God right now. And, 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 and you might say, well, why wouldn't you just go home to bed if you're exhausted? Well, I can also sleep on the floor at church, but I can do it in the presence of God. There's this idea that I want to immerse myself wherever I can in His presence. I want to be aware of what He's doing at all times. Like it says in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven, verse 44, is like a treasure that a man discovered in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again, sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. It consumed him. This idea of that treasure in that, that field, it consumed him enough that he orientated his whole life around receiving that. Verse 45 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. This idea of hungering and thirsting and desiring the kingdom so much. Uh, we... We love Jesus. We do. You You wouldn't be here unless you had some kind of softness towards God and Jesus. And so you might be here and you're like, yeah, I, I know. I want to please God. That's why I'm here. But there's so much more. There's so much more. There's so much more than the, to this relationship with God, a reality that, that we can experience right now. And so let's watch this next clip because it, it informs everything that we do. <laughs> Powerful, right? Tissues, please. Just hand out the tissues. Um, Help me get one more. Many of you might know the story of Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Church in America. His dad, he tells the story that his dad was um, dying and on his deathbed, and and everyone knew. And just as he was in that place of between, you know, where he's just slipping into the next, he kept saying. I've just got to go get one more. I've just got to go and get one more. I've just got to go and get one more. One more for the gospel. One more, Lord. And, uh, and, and you know, as it relates to that, um, many of us know the, the commission that we're given as Christians to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all nations and to teach them to obey the words of Jesus Christ. I, I, I think that the kingdom, upside down kingdom and the inside out kingdom though, allows us to live that in such a better and healthy way than what we might traditionally have been told because so often it seems like we've got to do this. This is, this is something that we have to do. We have to go and do what God asks us to do and God's saying, go and do this, so we do it and we have this pleasing God mentality that God will be pleased with me if I win someone to Christ and of course He is, of course He will be but it's not dependent on that and, and the inside out culture, the inside out kingdom culture is like what Desmond Doss was doing. He's just like, there's a person, there's a need and I'm here, so I'll go meet it. There's a need, so I'll go meet it. It's not me pleasing somebody. This is just coming out of the inside out kingdom culture that I'm now living with. I, I, I want to read you a couple more scriptures as we nearly come to an end. And we've got one more clip. 
Matthew 13, it says, Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest, then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and and burn them and to put the wheat into the barn. Um, Then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weed, oh dear. Eyesight, and here we go. Okay. Um, the weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And then the angels will be thrown into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, there's so much in that. There's so many questions that that passage causes. I'd love to talk um, a lot about that with you, um, but I'm just going to draw a few things out about it this morning. And that is simply that our job is just to sow seed. Our job is just to sow seed. And, uh, and we, we're called to sow seed in season, out of season, just to sow seed. Um, and something that Carrie and I have been learning recently that we'll eventually we'll, we'll be talking about all our churches with is that we look for where God is already at work. I just want you to pause for a second. How often do you feel like heart in chest, mouth in throat, not a saying, um, where you've got to explain to someone the gospel or try and tell someone and it just feels all wrong in the situation and you're just like heart pounding, but it doesn't feel like a good heart pounding, like a Holy Spirit heart pounding. It just feels like you're about to jump off a diving board into an empty swimming pool. Anyone ever felt like that with sharing the gospel? Yes, great, few nods. Okay. Looking for where God is already at work means that the kingdom culture within us just kind of comes out and bleeds on people. And, and, and it's this freeing concept that, okay, there might be some weeds among the wheat, but it's not my job to sort that out. That actually I'm going to go through the whole of my life not sorting out the weed from the weeds because God says that's his job and his assignment at the end of the age. So my job is simply to let my kingdom inside out culture bleed onto other people and to treat like the kingdom of heaven has already come because Jesus says that it has. It's eternity now. Eternity is now. That's the other. The kingdom is upside down. The kingdom is inside out and the kingdom is eternity is right now. Eternity is not something one place that we're going to somewhere and we're all looking forward to that although that is part of it it is the kingdom is right now the kingdom is within us Jesus said and we're starting it right now and what it does is if as we um, pursue eternity now it causes us to live with a sense of urgency but without panic a sense of urgency but without panic and so let's watch this final clip and uh, then I'll hand back to Pastor Kerry. Um, We will provide tissues next week. 
I just want to let you know, don't not come. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for everything, Pastor Ron. Would you, do you just want to give us a recap on just this last, what we've just watched and talk about that? Yeah, sorry. So that was a bit um, out of the blue, not Hacksaw Ridge, obviously. Uh, so Schindler, um, that, that is a movie made famous by book in 1982, written uh, called Schindler's Ark. Um, before that, no one really knew about it. It was just among um, Holocaust kind of canon and history. It's a, a guy who was Czechoslovakian who um, began to um, buy Jews from the concentration camps to work in his factory. So he was a card-carrying um, Nazi, uh, but really out of convenience. He was not a moral man, um, but somewhere along the line, he realised the value of human life and he um, began to sell everything, still played the part and acted. That's why he was saying, I, I spent so much money, but um, to stay under the radar. And he began to buy these Jews to work in his factory, which meant that they eventually, they were out of concentration camps. They didn't get killed and they all were eventually freed. So there are literally generations of people who exist because of this man. And, and so just the value of a life, the value of an eternal life is so much more important. And, and as we orientate our life around the kingdom and not around culture, then that will come alive in us as well. So good. Thank you for that. Um, I Just one little thing I perceived as we were watching that is just that there maybe was a sense of like guilt. Yes. <laughs> Do you yeah. want to speak into that? Like yes. the guilt versus, yeah. you know, what is actually possible for yeah. a person? Yeah, absolutely. Because I've, I've definitely had friends who um, knew Christians and they're so revved up and excited. But at some point, this realisation of their family that don't know Christ and, and, and they're awakened to eternity and maybe, you, I don't know what teachings they've received on hell or, or, or whatever, but regardless, it's an eternity without God. So it's devastating. Um, you know, even Daz had a dream once. He, he woke up sweating because he had this dream that Lockie had, uh, they'd been driving on one of those crazy roads and Lockie, the car had fallen into the water and, um, and, and he, Daz kind of, you know, came up above the water, which is, how you know it's a dream because Daz can barely swim. But and Lockie's a great swimmer. But he couldn't find Lockie, and he realised. I think he found a part of Lockie and realised that um, Lockie was gone, and woke up to the voice of the spirit saying, "That's how I feel every time one of my children is lost." And um, and so there is that that urgency that we need to feel. But if it's debilitating, then that serves no one, and that's not God's way. So so for us to actually feel like we have an answer, we can bring the answer, but there's a freedom in the way that we bring the answer. I think that's where we've got to find it. Um, though none go with me, though I get persecuted, though I get hated, though I get spat upon, yep, up for all of that because God will bless me, um, but, but that I'm not um, going to live in this debilitated fashion. I've actually known people who have thrown in their faith because they couldn't stand the thought, yes, the pressure and also the thought of being without their family. So so we need to have a good theology around this. We need to discuss this more. Yeah, yeah totally. Thank you for that. Um, if you're unfamiliar with what's happening, this number on the screen here, you can actually text any question that you have. Maybe it's something that we've talked about today. Maybe it's something completely unrelated, although let's try and keep on topic. And um, Pastor Bron will do her best to answer. And so you can go ahead and do that now if you do have a question. Um, but one question we had, Pastor Bron, was um, just for anyone who might be unsure or who is unfamiliar, could you give examples of how every day you practically how do you seek the kingdom of God like what does that look like for you in your life every day it, it, it's this awareness it, it's a cultivated awareness um, because and, and I've got to say 
it's, I just want to free some people. It's definitely gotten easier as I've gotten older and my kids have grown up because I don't know if you've got small kids at the moment, Daniel, um, <laughs> it's hectic. It's really hectic. And, and you, you know, you can, tr- you're trying to find time to read the Bible and, and it just seems like you go to sleep and then get up and do it all again. Um, so it definitely has gotten easier as I get older. One of the things I do is I go, um, I start my day by being in the word of God and, Literally, like I, I get, I, I cultivate it, but it now is also natural. I open the word and I get, mm, oh, what's going to happen today, God? Let's get into it. And um, I really love it. And I, so I cultivated that excitement, but, but now it's just normal. And just this awareness of, you know, the Bible says, give thanks always, pray without ceasing. And we all kind of go, sure. Um, but it literally is this constant awareness of conversation with God. And you can do that even with small children and just this awareness of him being right there with you uh, through thick and thin. Um, I was reading, I think it was Brother Lawrence. Um, he was saying that he made a decision that in every minute he was going to make himself aware of God. Now, I don't know how you do that without an alarm going off every minute, but somehow he just decided, I'm going to bring myself to an awareness of God every single minute. And and he talks about the way that that just revolutionised his life and the way that he lived. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And so another question um, is, if you are not a Christian and you're like trying to figure out, suss it all out, who is Jesus? What does this all mean? How do like the kingdom, what? Um, what is what is a really practical way that like daily you could kind of like open yourself to the idea of Jesus or the idea of even God speaking to you? Like, you know, lots of times we talk about like God leading you or God speaking to you. Can you just talk a bit about yeah. that? Yeah, and, and um, I heard so many testimonies of this happening of people who didn't know God. So I, I feel confident um, that this, that God will actually... He says that if you seek me, you will find me. Um, it's sometimes when we put out things that would remove our faith. So we're like, God, if you will show me this and that, if you will, if you will appear to me in my bedroom, then I'll believe in you. But God's like, well, no, there's actually a faith aspect to this. But it, it, it just the just God, show me a bit more of yourself today. God, can you show me that you're real? I fully believe that he'll answer that prayer if you just keep asking that. And um, Lord, let me hear your voice. If you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian for 30 years, say, Lord, let me hear your voice. I believe that he will. You'll just begin to get little things and and uh, you'll go, oh, that that's not a natural thought that I would have. And then you can kind of go, oh, maybe that was God. And, and, and time will tell if that was the case. Cool. And so like just really quickly, what's a good way to distinguish between is this God or is this like I'm just hungry and I feel like I should get ice cream, like whatever it is. Can you make a distinction? Yeah. Um, well, that's why it's good to know the word because the word of God, he's not going to counteract that. But but if you're just brand new and you're starting out and the word of God seems so inaccessible to you, I'd encourage you to find someone to read the Bible with. Not an expert who's going to give you all the Greek and Hebrew and history and all that, but just someone who's going to help you like ask you questions that prompt you to oh okay now I can start to understand or even show you where to start Um, but apart from that um, the voice of God like there's this dual kind of thing it says my sheep know my voice so there might be where you actually need to step out in faith and say Jesus I want to follow you and then you'll have a clearer understanding of his voice Um, now um, there's just common wisdom obviously 
if you hear a voice telling you to kill your spouse, that is not the voice of the Lord. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, you know, there's common wisdom with that, testing it against that. But um, I, I, it's a journey. It really is. And it's okay to get it wrong. Yeah. Um, oh, what did I do recently? I went to someone and said, um, oh, it's something along the lines of, like, oh, is your mum unwell? Because I felt like God was telling me that. You're like, no, nah, is yours? <laughs> No, she's good too. But we need to keep checking on our mums, hey. (laughs) So you're going to get it wrong and and that's okay, but just like be up for the adventure and up for the journey. Yeah, Yeah. so good. Everyone call your mums this afternoon. That's the message, that's the takeaway from today. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, well, we're a little bit out of time, Pastor Bron. So would you mind just praying for us um, before we head out for morning tea? Lord, I thank you, Lord, uh, for your word. And Lord, I thank you for conviction. And Lord, I pray that you'd stir in each of us uh, an awareness of the kingdom of heaven, Lord, and what that's meant to look like in our lives. Lord, that it wouldn't just be this behavior modification and and tick a few boxes, but Lord, it would be this revolutionized lifestyle, Mm. Lord, a greater reality than we've ever known before, Lord, where we live on purpose and for purpose, Lord. Uh, And Lord, it's not striving and it's not struggling. Lord, it's walking free and easy, Lord God, with you, hand in hand with you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Pastor Bron. Happy Sunday, everyone. We'll see you back here next week. Pastor Dazza is going to bring a word around a movie. So love to have you.